Good morning. I greet you in Jesus' precious name this morning. I want to welcome everyone here, especially the visitors. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. And I trust that you can join us in worshiping the one true God. Appreciated the songs this morning. Um, my week turned out similar to yours, brother. On Wednesday, my father went back into the hospital, still in the hospital uh, this morning. And um, some of you recall that about a month ago, he was there for about a week with infection and a kidney stone, and now there's more infection and a bigger kidney stone in the other kidney. And so he is, he is in the hospital, he's being taken care of, and I think the infection is leaving, but it takes some time. So if you would pray for him and my mother as she um, cares for him and stays with him, the hospital. It's been a bit of a journey the last number of years. He's had cancer in his uh, bladder and has that removed, so he wears a bag, and um, life has been a bit different. But God is good, and we sang about just a little while longer here. I was talking to a brother a week or so ago and and we were talking about some of this stuff. And he said, just imagine, if Christ would come back, we wouldn't have to pay taxes anymore. Wouldn't that be nice? Tax season is upon us. But life is so much more than that, brothers and sisters. And um, I am grateful for a faithful God who cares and watches over us, his people, his children. I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 10 this morning. Several months ago, I preached uh, a series of two messages on the greatest commandment in Scripture, And that commandment is that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then I preached a second message on what robs us of that love for God, and that is our love for the world, for our tendency to love the world, robs us of the love and the affection that we should have for God. And what I didn't address in those two, or after those two, is the second commandment that is attached to that first commandment. Can someone tell me what that second commandment is? That you should love your neighbor as yourself. So this morning, the title of my message is, Love Your Neighbor as Yourself. It's a follow-up or maybe a concluding message to that series of messages 
and I would like to address that subject with you this morning as a way of just personal testimony, confession perhaps. It's been a journey to study this subject for myself personally. And it's not easy, and I think you would agree, to always love well. And I found that in my studies and in my relationships, that is all too often true. So this morning's message speaks to me as much as anybody. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 is where we'll begin. This is my foundational, or my, my, my passage, my foundation passage. This is the discourse or the, the, the conversation that we get the commandment from. It is reflective of the Old Testament. And after the reading of this, I will invite you then to turn to Luke chapter 6, and that's going to be our main passage for the morning. So let's read Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And it says this, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, him being Jesus, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And this was not a sincere question. I don't think it was a sincere question. My inclination is that he was trying to find a way to trap Jesus. After all, he was a lawyer. He understood the Jewish law and laws that had been put in place. And he, Jesus, said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? That was Jesus' question back to the lawyer. Jesus answered with a question. And he said, and he answered, answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. And then verse 29, But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Now I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 6. I ended with verse 29 because the lawyer's question in verse 29 where he looks at Jesus and he said, okay, then tell me who my neighbor is is a reflection of a heart that does not want to love well. It's a reflection of a heart that has decided that he understands best how to love, and it's probably, it probably rests in the law that I know and that I'm so familiar with. And if that law is active and I'm active in that law, then that's an indication that I love well. Because, and we're not going to go into the history of the law, but there are all sorts of things in the law that dictated how to love and who to love and, and all this. In fact, you didn't have to care for your parents if your money and your wealth was given away. You know the story. So he was willing. His heart was not willing to love well. He understood the law, the commandment. He understood that, but he wasn't willing to love 
well. How do we love well, brothers and sisters, this morning? What is it that God is asking of you and me in our relationships with each other, with our neighbors? And by the way, we could define neighbors as anyone who is around us, including our families, including the neighbors physically over here, our Amish neighbors over here, the neighbors across the road, you know we've had some issues there. How do we love well people that we rub shoulders with in the world we live in? How do we do that? Well, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus is teaching, and he has some profound and amazing and astounding things to say to us. This passage in Luke chapter 6 is part of what has been called the Sermon on the Mount. And this was early in Jesus' ministry. And I invite you this morning to put yourself or place yourself on that hillside as, as, as part of that congregation or that group of people that was there listening to Jesus preach this message. And by the way, it was a long message. It went all day. I'm not going to go all day. But I want you to place yourself there. And I want you to understand that the people that were sitting on that hillside, listening to Jesus say these amazing and astounding things, were the people that, had, that, that were used to living out of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and that kind of teaching. That's what they believed. That's how they lived life. The Jews were known for that kind of lifestyle. Um, in fact, Jesus in, in Matthew says, you have heard that it has been said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and all of that. And then what does he say? He says, but I say unto you what? Love your enemy. Do good to them. If you spitefully use you and on it goes. That's where we pick up. So if you're listening this morning, listen to what Jesus is saying to us and we will try to make some applications for us to live by. Verse 6, I'm going to begin at verse 27 and I'm going to read all the way down to verse 42. It's a lengthy passage, but I think it encompasses all of what we would like to talk about this morning. Verse 27 of chapter 6 of Luke. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you. And pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And in verse 31 is what has been called the golden rule. My upbringing was such that it was very common for my mother to quickly say, uh-uh, no, 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 as you would when I would get out of hand and I would want to retaliate 
against my brother sitting over there or one of the sisters, she would say, wait a minute, as you would that men should do to you, do also to them likewise. I can hear her say it this morning. The golden rule, and as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if ye love them which love you, and I want you to, I want you to pick this up. Imagine yourself never hearing this kind of talk. Imagine yourself, all you know is that to rectify a wrong, there has to be a wrong done. Somebody has to suffer for something that has happened. That's all you know. That's, that's life. That was the law that they lived by, which was given to them to some degree. Historically, in, in, in the law of Moses, there, wa there was punishment given for wrongdoing. That's what they knew. And then to have this teacher, Jesus, our Lord, come and say this, And if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you love them which love you, what thank have you? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if you lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. And I'd like for you to just highlight that phrase. And ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful. Highlight that, as your Father also is merciful. Judge not and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. And I'd like for you to highlight that. And he spake a parable unto them, Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, or the speck that is in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out the mote or the speck in thine eye, when thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite! Cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we come to you this morning and we readily acknowledge and agree that, that these things that you are teaching in your word are not easy. In fact, they're, they're difficult for us. And yet we believe that this is truth and Father that you 
desire and you want your children to live like this. And when we rub shoulders with those who are not kind or who have perhaps offended and hurt us, we don't love well. And Father, you, you teach us to love our enemies, to love our neighbors. And so help us, Father, to understand what you are teaching and help us further than to apply it and to live by it this morning. We need your help in discerning truth here. And I just commit myself to you to that end. Would you guide me and guide my thoughts? We'll give you honor and glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How do we love our neighbors as ourselves? In this passage that I just read, we have a number of things that teach us or tell us how to do that. How to love our neighbors as ourselves. And I've been saying to you and to us this morning that it's contrary to human nature to love this way. It doesn't happen very easily. And it's not natural in us to love sacrificially. I, I had to think about, about that this morning. And, and there are a few in this congregation that I would probably say find it, seems to me they find it rather easy to love people. Uh, there's some saintly souls here that I, I just admire because of their attitude and their spirit that I've observed over years of uh, faithfulness to God in their walk and their attitude towards people. And I'm blessed with that. I'm not going to name names, but there are a few that I just thought about. And I, think, I think that brother or sister does well. And I'm, I'm blessed with that. And when I evaluated myself, I, I don't know that I found it quite that, that nice. It, it is a difficult thing to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. There are a few things that I'd like for us to think about or to see, and I call them foundational observations from the passage, that I think we should just think about as we think about loving our neighbors uh, well. Um, first of all, the first observation that I would like for us to think about from this passage is this. The number one thing is Jesus is calling you and me, his people, to love difficult people. This command, brothers and sisters, is not a command for us to love those who are easy to love. Okay? I want, we, need, we need to understand that. It, he does, Jesus is not saying this. He's not teaching us this so that we can love better those who are easy to love. He is telling this. He's teaching us this because He knows that in our relationships that we have, the people that we rub shoulders with day in and day out or whatever, there is conflict. There is difficulty. Sometimes we get treated poorly and sometimes we treat people poorly. And Jesus is saying this commandment to us, out of that regard. It's not so that we can love the easy to love, but so that we can love the ones that are difficult to love. 
one of the commentaries that I looked at on this talked about our default settings. What happens to you when someone someone does something that irritates you or someone does something that hurts you that that deeply wounds you what what happens what's the default setting that you go to can i tell you what my default setting is see if you can understand what that is my default setting and I think it's the human nature, it's the carnality and the sinfulness in, in us. My, my, my default setting is that I want vengeance. That was unfair, it's not right, and I want fire coming down from heaven. Now, depends a little bit on the circumstance, but that generally, in the depth of my dark, wicked heart, that's what, that's what rumbles there. I feel just a little bit justified in feeling those feelings. Is that not somewhat our default setting? And Jesus turns to us and says, there's a better way. There is a different way. And my kingdom, the people of my kingdom, are not that kind of people. Oh yes, they deal with it. But they're changed people. And they are to love sacrificially those who hurt us deeply and wound us deeply. Jesus understands. He knows the depth of which you have been hurt and wounded. You can't ever Stand before your Lord and Savior and say, but Jesus, you don't understand. You have no clue how deeply that hurt, how deep that wound was, or how betrayed I felt, or whatever. You, you will not be able to do that. Because I think Jesus will look at you and say, I know. I know. I know exactly what it felt like. I know exactly what it feels like because you do it to me all the time. You reject me all the time. I know. And yet I forgive, continually forgive in real time. Brothers and sisters, don't let that escape you. Our Lord and Savior forgives continually in real time when we come in repentance to Him, and He holds no grudges. He says, sure. And yet we want to hang on to the hurt because deep inside my, my wicked carnal heart, my default settings are such that I want vengeance. And there needs to be a payment for what happened to me or what I assumed happened to me. We all have those difficult situations and relationships in our lives. I don't think, brothers and sisters, that there's anyone here that doesn't have that 
It could be a spouse that is difficult. It can be a child that is difficult. It can be a friend that has betrayed you. It could be a brother or sister here that makes life miserable for you. You name it. A co-worker, someone that's just really, really hard to get along with. Maybe it's an actual neighbor. Maybe it's an actual neighbor that just will not be kind to you. I don't know. Jesus turns to us and says, there's a better way. And I am that way. Will you love the difficult people that I place in your life? In uh, verses 27 through 35, we see how we are supposed to love. I'm not going to read through that again. But he gives us directives. We're supposed to love those that curse us. We're supposed to forgive and to do good. All of those things are directives on how to love the difficult people in our lives. The question is, is that happening on a regular basis in your life this morning? Is, it, is, it, is that the kind of person you are? Or do you hold grudges? So that's the first thing that we need to remember. That Jesus is calling us to love difficult people. He's not calling us to love people who are easy to love, but to love difficult people. The second thing that we need to, to understand is that it is impossible to love in this way outside of being born again. Do you understand what I'm saying there? While a non-believer can have a kind heart, they can, they can rarely consistently love sacrificially. Because again, the carnal heart and the wickedness within has to be satisfied some way. And if that's not been satisfied with the love of Christ in us, then we have to meet vengeance or we have to be, we have, we have to be unloving back because we have to stand up for ourselves. In Christ, we don't have to stand up for ourselves. He is. So the second thing is that this kind of loving is only possible as we are born again, as we are converted. In Luke chapter 6, in our passage here, in verse 35, it says this, But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And then look what it says. And ye shall be the children of the highest. Do you put that together? It's the children of God who love this way. It's you and me. Outside of a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ, it is difficult to love this way. How we think about and how we talk to and how we behave towards those that have been unloving and difficult reveals how much you and I have experienced God's grace in our life. That's a quote. How we respond, how we think about, 
how we talk to and how we behave towards those who are difficult and have hurt us reveals how much we know and how much we've realized the grace of God in our lives. That's a sobering comment. That's very sobering. So as you think about how we're loving our neighbors, how we're loving each other, how you're loving your spouse, children, youth, how you're loving each other, on and on. To the degree which how you respond in those relationships that are difficult really tells the story about what Christ is doing in your heart. That's really, really sobering. Jesus in this teaching is calling us to be like our Heavenly Father. Because He says in verse 36, Be ye therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. You see the connection? Are you a merciful person this morning? Or is it easier for you to be angry and bitter and frustrated towards those who are difficult in your life? If we're a saved sinner, then God has treated us with much mercy. He has given us much compassion and grace. And I think, brothers and sisters, if, if, we, if we could comprehend the depth of that, it would maybe change the way I respond to you and how I respond to difficult situations or what I feel is unfair to me. Because you see, my Heavenly Father is very merciful to me, very gracious to me. Jesus is not asking us to do something that He Himself has not done. He has done it. He's done it, and He's done it thoroughly, and He continues to do it. And our Heavenly Father has done it. And so He turns to His children, you and me this morning, and says, do it. I have bought you. I have redeemed you. My Spirit is now dwelling in you. Love well those who are difficult in your life. Show them that I exist by loving well. There ought to be a flavor of godliness that oozes out of our hearts towards others, selfless and kind. It is the power of the resurrection in us. Is it evident in your life this morning? And if not, why not? What is it that you've not received from your Heavenly Father that you cannot pass on to someone else? If my default actions and my default words and attitudes are different than what my Heavenly Father through Christ has shown and is showing to me, what does that say about me? I came across a story of Billy Graham's grandson who was an associate pastor at a larger congregation. And it so happened that the lead pastor passed away suddenly from some medical issue. And Billy Graham's grandson was voted in temporarily to take the lead position 
pastor position. But in that congregation, there were quite a few people that did not want him to be there at all. And they were going to take a final vote to see if he would remain there as pastor, as lead pastor or not. And there was a campaign against him. Over 400 people voted against having him there as their pastor for whatever reason. It didn't say why. That wasn't enough to to eliminate him from being a pastor there, from being the head pastor there. The vote, the majority was still in favor of him. And after the following week after that vote, he was interviewed by a Christian magazine and they asked him, what does your grandfather, Billy Graham, have to say to you about what just happened to you? And he said, you know what? My grandfather told me, he said, you have things to learn about being a pastor. You need to love well those people that don't like you. And he said, that's right. I long to pastor those people who don't like me. I'm okay with that. That's the attitude. That's the attitude. How many of us would do well with that? Would, would we not tend to want to hide somewhere? Well, they don't want me. You know, you know what I'm saying? That's the spirit. That's exactly what Jesus is teaching us here this morning. How many of us are there? Finally, I'd like to just go through the last part of our passage. And we come to verse 37. And it's that famous verse that says, Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. It's probably, someone has said that it's probably the, the most well-known and memorized verse of the Bible. And it's sort of humorous, but it's true. How many of you have ever been told, judge not? I remember years ago, I was a little boy, and, and we had a salesman come to our place. And he was, he was a suspicious character. Like, I was maybe 10 or 11 years old, and of course my dad wasn't, he was working, so it was just myself and my mom and my sisters at home. It was summertime, and he came. He, I forget what he wanted to sell, but he wanted to sell something. And, and my mom was spunky enough that she was not going to buy what he, whatever what he was trying to sell. And he was being dishonest, like we caught on. And she witnessed to him, and, and the first thing out of his mouth was, Judge not! That's what he threw out there. And he stormed off and left. And I had to think of that this morning as I was finishing up. Most people, even non-Christians, will use that as a weapon so that they will not have to face truth or reality of who they are. It says, you can't judge me. Is that what Jesus is teaching here? What is, what is Jesus teaching us when he says, judge not and ye shall not be judged, condemn not and ye shall not be condemned? I don't know if you've ever found this, but I've found this in my own heart. Sometimes when that, act, or when that verse is used, in a discussion or when it's heated discussion and or argument and that, that thing is used as a defensive weapon against you, it tends to maybe kind of shut you down and you're like, okay, 
maybe that's right. Maybe I shouldn't judge. But is that really what Jesus is, is saying here for us this morning? How do we love? This is the other side of loving well. Okay, brothers and sisters, we're to love as Jesus loved. But Jesus never intended that we don't think critically about what is right and what is wrong. We are called to judge what is right and what is wrong. And that is what he's trying to teach us. So this is the other side of loving our neighbors as ourselves. The first thing is this. There's four things that I want to run through real quickly here. Jesus is not teaching us that we should not be discerning. That is not what he's teaching us. We are called to use our critical thinking to discern what is right and what is wrong. We must judge what is sinful and we must judge what is righteous. And sometimes, like I said, what happens is we get shut down when that verse gets used as a weapon. It can bring us up short. But Jesus is not teaching us that we should not judge. He is actually saying we need to judge, but we need to do it correctly. So this is how we do it correctly. Okay? We must be slow. We must be slow in our condemnation. We're called to judge correctly, but we must be slow in condemning people. How do we do that? Especially when you've experienced some really, really hard and difficult things. How do we do that? Remember, our default setting wants to rise up and wants revenge or vengeance or rectifying the, the wrong. So how do we do this? When we are slow to condemn, we take time to consider that the individual may not have meant what they meant by what happened. We give the benefit of the doubt to the individual that we've been hurt by or offended by. Be slow to condemn. If we're not slow to condemn, we have these kind of character traits. We are self-righteous. We have a critical spirit. We harbor unforgiveness, bitterness, and pride. And often we're a hypocrite. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Often we're a hypocrite. Be slow to condemn, brothers and sisters. Jesus looks at us and says, Whoa. Are you sure that what that brother or that neighbor or that coworker or whoever did was actually the intent that you felt? Is that really what happened? Be slow to condemn. The word judge in that, in that verse has the meaning of writing someone off. Condemnation to the point where you're not worth my time anymore. You are this kind of person Therefore, I don't have anything to do with you and, and we have a big black mark for them and we move on and ignore them. That's not the way Christ teaches us to love. We love well. We cannot miss the warning that's attached to this. Because in verse um, in Matthew chapter 7, now this is the, this is the Matthew account of this same, of this same teaching. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 2, it says, For with what judgment ye judge, 
ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And in Luke it says a very similar thing. The warning there, brothers and sisters, we cannot ignore. The way you treat people, the, 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 the judgment with which you, the, the attitude and the spirit with which you judge and condemn other people, that same spirit and attitude will come back to you. The chickens come back to roost. It's the law of sowing and reaping that you cannot, we cannot, we cannot forget. The second thing, the third thing is learn to forgive quickly. How quickly do you forgive this morning? A true test of forgiveness is when I can give to those who have mistreated me the same way that Christ gives to me. I go the second mile. I give them the benefit of the doubt. I pour coals of fire on their head out of a sincere, loving heart. That's the true test of forgiveness. The next thing is we learn to take care of our own sins first. This is what Jesus is teaching us. We have an uncanny way of making our faults less and our sins less dramatic than we do the small irritations and faults and sins in our brothers' and sisters' lives. When my neighbor offends me, I am all worked up over that. And when I do the same thing, I don't think it's quite so bad. That's our default setting, right? It's easy for me to overlook my sinfulness, my little inconsistencies and idiosyncrasies and say, well, it's not that bad. But now for you, it's bad. Jesus says, learn to take care of your sins first before you start looking at other people's sins. And thereby, we can love our neighbors well. Jesus gives us a comical picture where he says, what are you doing looking at the tiny speck in your brother's eye when you've got this huge plank sticking out of your eye? And I just want you to look, just think about that. Imagine me with a four-foot, a six-foot plank sticking out of my eye. And I'm going down through the aisles, and I'm looking at everybody's speck, and I have this critical spirit, and I'm just, I'm whacking everybody with that big stick sticking out of my eye, and I'm making people's lives miserable. And I have no clue that that plank is in my eye, because all I can focus on is your little speck, your little issue that has maybe offended me or that I know is an offense or I, I think it's a big deal. Jesus said, you hypocrite. Take, that, take care of that sin, that thing in your eye. Take care of that beam in your eye. Then you'll be able to see well the specks that are in your brother and sister's eye or your neighbor's eye. That's where the hypocritical thing comes in at. 
the last thing we need to do to love our neighbors well is that we do need to be speck removers. Jesus says, take the beam out of your eye, and, then he, and he doesn't say, then, then you're done. He does say, so that you can be well enough and see well enough to remove, to help a brother or a sister remove a speck. But you see what happens when we remove the plank from our eye, when we remove that big thing from, from our, when we all of a sudden realize how absolutely obnoxious that is, all of a sudden our heart is broken and melted and we understand our sinfulness and we are very gracious and kind. We tend to be more gracious and kind to others. And when we do need to come alongside a brother or a sister or a neighbor or a friend to love them well and say, brother, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but there's something that seems a little bit inconsistent or there's a sin that I've observed. I just wonder if you... We do it in a gentle, loving way because we are called to be speck removers. That's the final thing on how to love our neighbors well. Let's love as Jesus taught, sacrificially, but intentionally, first of all, ourselves, taking care of ourselves so that we can love others well. Shall we pray? Thank you, Father, for your truth and your word this morning. And it is so difficult to do, but it is necessary to do. And we fail so often. And so, Father, as we think about your teaching here in the Gospels, how, how, how radical and different it is to our human nature. Would you give us grace to do the right things? Help us to be humble before you and each other. As we consider our own hearts, our own, the own, our own planks in our, in, our, in our eyes. And help us to take care of those things so that we can love well. We commit ourselves to you and thank you for your goodness to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.